In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes into our lives and prepares us for an eternity. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Christmas is coming. I just saw the Macy's Day Parade on Thanksgiving, and at the very end, uh, Santa Claus is always the last person in the Macy's Day Parade. And as I was watching the parade go by, and as I saw Santa Claus coming through, the announcer on the TV said, it's hard to imagine that Christmas is only 28 days away. And it was. On Thanksgiving, you have less time now. Stay awake. Go and buy some stuff. Tomorrow is Cyber Monday. And there is kind of a sense of preparation that comes along with this season. And and even in our kind of consumeristic way of celebrating Christmas, there is a sense of Advent. And that sense of Advent is that we have to prepare. And... We have to prepare the gift or the gifts. And so Advent becomes this time of going out and shopping and elbowing people at Walmart and, uh, and so that you can get that new Barbie or whatever happened in that Walmart in California. And this sense of preparing for Christmas to come by going out and purchase things. That's really kind of the sense that we have culturally of what Advent is. This time of ramping up by buying stuff that we can then go and give to other people. Perhaps sometimes grudgingly and saying, I don't really want to give you a gift, but I have to anyway. But the church's celebration is... Slightly different. If you look at the front of your bulletin, you'll notice that this sermon series is called Prepare, Insert, For the Gift. And that's really what the church's celebration of Advent is about, much more than preparing gifts for other people. Of course, that's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to show people that you love them through buying them stuff and and good things like that. But for us, what we recognize in this season is that we are preparing for a gift. We're not preparing gifts ourselves, but we're preparing for the reception of a gift. And I don't know if you ever did this as a kid, but I certainly did. I would prepare for a gift that I was pretty sure that I was going to get. So you had all of my Transformers. And they were all in, in my bedroom, and they were kind of poised for action, ready to be played with whenever. And uh, I remember one year, I really, really wanted this one Transformer. Because, well, this Transformer was really, really cool. It was a, it was an Optimus Prime, but it was a semi-truck. And uh, having this was, uh, this would be the crown jewel of all of my Transformers. And so what I did is sort of like a small little uh, crash scene or manger scene. What I would do is I sort of moved things aside and I made room for the Transformer that I knew that I was going to receive. 
And in fact, those priest scenes, those manger scenes, those nativity scenes in in the practice of the church and um, really during Advent, what you're supposed to do with them is that you're supposed to slowly add things in. And so there's this sort of sense of buildup that happens. And so you'll notice that our nativity scene over there on the mantle, that it only has animals in it right now. And that every week in Advent that you're adding something else in until you finally get to Christmas. And then at Christmas, then you take that transformer guy and you put him right in the middle. Well, Jesus is kind of a transformer, you would say, right? And so during this time of Advent, that, that's kind of a, a, a picture of what we're doing. We're, we're preparing for this gift of Jesus, which is kind of difficult because I think all of us would say, well, we've got Jesus. Uh, we don't need to change anything, Right. And most of us in this room do. Most of us in this room have been baptized. Most of us in this room have this uh, this expression of faith that led you to come into this place on a Sunday morning. Most of us have this notion of having our salvation and having the Holy Spirit, having God, knowing that God is your Father. And so we look at Advent and we go, well, what do I make room for? I've made all of the room I can, perhaps. And to that I say, you must be much better at cleaning your life than I am. Because if you've seen my office recently, it is a disaster area. And that kind of is what my life looks like sometimes. See, once upon a time, I made room for certain things, and I, in my foolishness, thought, well, everything is going to stay exactly this way, because I am committed to making this work. And as time droned on, and since my office is the only place that really ever gets locked um, uh, for for much time here at all, um, things get kind of offloaded in there. And it comes to Advent where I finally say, oh, I need to do some Advent cleaning. Usually right around the time that you students leave and I have a little bit more time. And I think that's the way that our hearts kind of work sometimes too. That all of a sudden we recognize that there are certain signs that we see that we go, oh, It's time to clean stuff up. It's time to prepare. It's time to make some room for the presence of Jesus in our lives. And we go about life kind of normally and humdrum, and and it seems like those things just accumulate without our even noticing them until one day we wake up and we go, "Uh uh-oh, people are coming over for Thanksgiving. I have to clean. Or whatever the spiritual equivalent of that is. And you say, I, I need to get ready. I need to get ready for this gift to be given to me. I have to make some space for Jesus. 
And the cool thing about Christmas is that you know when the gift is coming. But what Jesus is saying here in Mark is that you don't know when the gift is coming. And uh, th- that is something that um, is sort of, I guess, kind of frustrating. Because if you don't know when it's coming, then you have to keep your place clean all the time. I mean, Jesus knows that this gets read during Advent, but he doesn't mean for it just to be an Advent thing. When he says stay awake, he's meaning stay awake during Lent and Easter and Christmas and Big Green. Be ready. Be ready for what? All of these readings are all about Jesus' presence. And all of these readings have some element of people either crying out for Jesus' presence or or Jesus saying that uh, my presence is going to be there. And so you have in the Old Testament readings, the people of Israel are crying out, please come, please come, please come. And then you have in the epistle reading, you, you have Paul writing to the Corinthians. Now, we've talked about the Corinthians before. They are baddies. Uh, we'll just leave it there. They, these are people that uh, their rooms are in total disorder. They, they are doing all sorts of horrible stuff. And yet Paul, when he writes them, Paul, when he writes them, he's saying, you have everything you need. You shouldn't be worried about Jesus' presence coming into your life. And so when Jesus says, stay awake, and when the people in the Old Testament are saying, please come, there's this sense of almost impending doom. And yet that seems to have disappeared somewhere along the line in 1 Corinthians. That somehow, after Jesus has died on the cross and rose again from the tomb, you can be a Corinthian. Which is not a good thing. And yet, you can be a Corinthian and you can have this hope. That even though your life is in total disarray, even though that your life is completely Not what it should be. That you can rejoice at the idea of Jesus coming in. Because Jesus has promised that he is going to make his life a gift in your life. I think that's something that I struggle with. It's something that I think a lot of us struggle with, is this sense that uh, having Jesus in your life is actually a gift. Because for me, so much of the time, my sinful flesh sees Jesus not as a gift, but as a house guest. And there's a difference. Many of you were house guests this weekend. Many of you had house guests this weekend. And... Sometimes a house guest is a really good thing to have. You enjoy seeing those people. But um, uh, somewhere along the line, somebody said that house guests are like fish. After three days, they begin to smell. 
Well, I think that's kind of what how we approach Jesus sometimes. We, we go, okay, Jesus, it's, it's great to see you on Sunday. See you later. Um, and, and then maybe you get all the way to Tuesday, three days, right? Uh, and then you go, okay, Jesus, this is getting old. But I don't know why. Because I think those are things that, that we, we are making Jesus into. Because Jesus wants to be a gift to you. And he doesn't want to be sort of a pushy gift. He, he doesn't want to go into your life and, and make room for himself. Because that would be pushy. And what Jesus wants is, is actually to be held in such high regard that you would move all of the stuff in your life to the side so that you could make a space for him in the middle of your nativity scene or your crash scene or maybe if you still have transformers in the middle of your transformer collection. He wants to be this this gift. And that is what we're going to be talking about this whole year. Is this kind of sense of what it is to be a gift. And what it is to have a gift. And uh, really when we're talking about giftedness this year, what we're going to be talking about is this sense of vocation. And vocation really comes down to being a relationship. And so all of us in here, we have several vocations. I have a vocation as a, uh, as a husband. I have a vocation as a father. I have a vocation as a pastor. I have a vocation as a son. And you have similar vocations. Vocation isn't just what you do from Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Vocation is the situation in which God has put you. And that situation is a gift. Because just as I moved my Transformers around, I moved them around in order to show kind of some giftedness of those different Transformers. And God has moved you around to show how he has gifted you. He's put you in the relationships that you have to show off how he has given you these gifts. And that's why it feels so good to be you. Because God has created that in you. God has created you as a gift to yourself. But then also, Transformers, well, they're kind of useless by themselves. And so you need another Transformer in there. And so he says... Well, I'm going to put other Transformers around you. I'm going to put you in relationship to these other human beings. And we're going to call that vocation. And how you give of yourself is going to show off how you are gifted and how that gifting is all about me. And the way that when you see that, what you will do is you will cry out in gratitude and say, You have made me who I am. 
You haven't made me like that schmo across the room from me. You've made me to be me, and I like being me. And then you'll give thanks. And in giving thanks, you find really what it is to be gifted. Because if you don't receive a gift with gratitude, it's no longer a gift. You actually can stop something from being a gift. So when somebody hands you that really ugly sweater or another pair of socks or whatever it is on Christmas Day, and you find it impossible to muster up any sort of gratitude, what you have done is you have said, this is no longer a gift, this is a burden. I hate you and your socks. Grandma, she always gave me socks. But if you can find gratitude, then you find the gift. If you can find gratitude in what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross, by dying there and forgiving you you, your sins, if you can find gratitude in Him rising from the tomb and announcing your new life that you can live entirely as yourself, if you can find gratitude, you will find grace. So this year, at least this Advent, it's time To move stuff around in your life so that you can find grace. Because he's more than willing to give it to you. Amen.